Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Beyond the Album Cover of yours truly, Jarrell Mason, or better known as Jay Mace, where we get the scoop with people inside and outside of the entertainment industry and give them their flowers while they're here to be celebrated. Back again, if you listen to part one of my interview with this young man, it complements his journey from WAG, the 102 Jams, to where he is now as lead sports anchor for WRAL, the Big Five, and Raleigh Durham, North Carolina. That's the triangle, so shout out to NC. And he's going to talk about his new podcast, Culture State, which just dropped this past Wednesday, along with everything else in between. My good friend, brother from another mother, Chris Lee, or as I like to call him, the artist formerly known as Show Smooth. What's going on, Chris? <laughs> Jay Mace, yeah, this dude is the first dude to show me how to how to work a um, a radio board. So yeah, it's always good. Whenever you need me, I'm definitely happy to come on. Yeah, sure. yeah, man, it's definitely uh, good to have you on. And like I was stating earlier, we were I was just interviewing one of our former WAG um, members, uh, DJ Press, which will drop this upcoming Sunday. And he's just wanted to tell you how proud he is of you and your journey and what you're doing at WRAL. So everybody at WAG is definitely proud of what you're doing and breaking down barriers, bro, down at uh, Capital Broadcast at WRAL. For sure. That, that was a start. So, uh, yeah, happy that WAG was there. I keep telling people, you know, um, you know, I, I've told students from A&T this, <clears throat> if you want to get on and if you want that hands-on experience, go to WAG and, you know, it's, it's an open format there. If you want to get that hands-on experience, because a lot of students can go four years in ENT and never touch uh, WNAA because of how WNAA runs. There's nothing against WNAA. It's uh, it's, it's, uh, it's legendary, you know what I'm saying? And, and, but they have a stricter format there. And uh, yeah, if there's any students that happen to be from Greensboro, um, whether you're at Guilford College, Greensboro College, whatever, you want to be in radio, learn how to work that board. Uh, as far as I know, WAG still has that open format. So if you're from the outside, you can get a you can get a slot and you can get the hands-on experience for sure. Yeah, definitely get your reps up. And by the time you get your reps up, you know, you'll be like my man show smooth in the next 10 to 15 years. You never know. And your podcast, Culture State, was just dropped this past Wednesday. It talks about mm-hmm. the things and people that make NC what it is. And how did that come about? So uh, one of the things that drew me to WRL as I was, um, you know, kind of job searching at the end of 2019 uh, was the fact that they had uh, a podcast network, but they weren't sure exactly what to do with it. And so I was like, oh, shoot, uh, I've been wanting to get in podcasting. I just wanted the I felt like I could have good content. I just wanted the uh, the machine behind it to kind of push it because it's kind of tough. I'm sure, as you know, to do the content and to do the marketing <laughs> for yeah, it's, it's a, a lot when you're a one man band. That is, man, that's a lot of work right there. Uh, you know, and you're editing all this yourself and all that. So, you know, I wanted to get into it. Uh, I started March 4th, March 12th of 2020 uh, is when, you know, everything kind of shut down, um, you know, and, and the pandemic really started affecting everything. So a lot of things were put on hold. Um, the, my co-host for Culture State, his name is Dennis uh, Cox. I was about to say Dennis Smith Jr. I'm thinking about basketball. Uh, his name is Dennis Cox. Um, he um, works at one of the radio stations that WRL owns, 99.9 The Fan in Raleigh. 
And so he was there part-time. His story kind of reminds me of my story. He was there part-time. And, and then in March, he got his chance to be full-time finally. <clears throat> so he wanted to do a podcast as well. He was a wrestling fan. He saw that I used to be a pro wrestler. And so at first uh, he you know, came at me like, hey, we should do a wrestling podcast. And I wasn't that interested in doing a wrestling podcast because there are so many um, and, and it's hard to differentiate yourself in that space uh, to me. But we just started having a conversation and I loved how, um, you know, we vibe together and we had never met each other. We literally just met each other this year in 2021. Um, but we had been talking since May 2020 about working together. Um, and so then we finally, you know, we started having conversations about the greatness of that's coming out of North Carolina and a lot of stories that people just don't know because there's not anything there uh, for that. And so we just like, yeah, let's do that. And so that's how Culture State was born. And the crazy part is, <clears throat> if you listen to the first few episodes with uh, Shane Helms, with Petey Pablo, uh, Josh Howard is coming up, uh, interview with BDOT uh, from 102 Jams is coming up. All of those were recorded in either September or October of 2020. Uh, the, the election of 2020 had WRL push things back. And so now we're, we're just launching in, in January and these episodes actually are like four, three, four months old. Um, and so, but luckily they still, you know, have legs. Uh, you know, they, they wanted to make sure that we weren't overshadowed and, you know, with our launch and all that. So now we have uh, the freedom to come out there and, you know, it's different than anything that WRLs put out on the Capital Broadcasting uh, Podcasting Network platform. Uh, usually what they put out is snippets from the news or snippets from radio shows and they put it together and call it a podcast. This is legit something that just lives on the podcast world. Culture State isn't, you know, you can't see it on television. Uh, you can't hear it on the radio. We hope that it it does go to those places at some point, but we want the podcast to be first and then go to the television, then go to radio. So that way people will come to the podcast and it's something unique. So I'm happy to help, uh, you know, Capital Broadcasting, um, you know, when it comes to building um, this podcast network, <clears throat> happy to do something new, you know, there and because uh, nobody else um, has their own podcast, you know, on the television side. So I'm, I'm happy that uh, I get a chance to break some barriers. Yeah, it's definitely unique because like you stated, some podcasts, they just recycle the audio from the TV feed, plaster it onto the podcast network, and there it is with a podcast. But you have some that do that, but they also have exclusive podcast content like with Jalen Jacoby, where they take the mm -hmm. TV audio feed and then Tuesdays and Thursdays do podcast-only exclusives. And like you said, it's definitely hard to differentiate yourself because the middleman is cut out. And pretty much if you have a Wi-Fi connection, a mic, and a voice, anybody can do a podcast. Whereas you and I, we both cut our teeth getting it out the mud. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things where you have to really do something that where you create a niche. And I'll say, you know, kudos to you because you've pretty much had a very similar niche since you started. I mean, there's like a few things that you've tweaked here and there. Uh, but since you started, you've pretty much had that niche, like that whole, you know, um, you know, first off the, the, the history of radio and, and, and media, you're deep into that, but then also just, you know, heavy into what was happening in the in the 80s and the 90s and how that kind of, you know, set the foundation for where we are today. Uh, that's that's always been a huge niche of yours. And and I think going back, uh, one of the things that I did in college, of course, Carolina Crunk, 
um, doing the show about North Carolina hip hop and R&B, you know, I was just kind of thinking, you know, what else can I do to, to highlight uh, the state of North Carolina? And uh, simply put, you know, when you look at it, you know, I just kept looking at basketball games where it's like, man, this dude is from, you know, Havelock and, and this dude on the other team, he's from Durham or, you know, looking at another basketball game and like, damn, this dude is from Greensboro. And then that dude is from Little Washington. And so, you know, it was just like, all right, you know, there's there's a lot more out there. And, and you know, then flipping over to a Carolina Hurricanes game and they score a goal and then you hear North Carolina, come on and raise up. And then, you know, so it's just all that stuff. And it's like, all right, man, we got to do something for the folks in North Carolina and and really pump up, you know, what this state is and what it offers the mainstream. Yeah, I definitely agree because I felt for the longest time our state was overlooked in the big scope of things from New York, L.A., Atlanta, even Virginia. And I kind of felt those hip hop success out in those states kind of overshadowed what North Carolina was doing, you know, with Little Brother and everything that was coming out after that. So it's definitely good now to see J. Cole, Rhapsody, Baby, Stunning for Vegas. Luke Nasty, everybody out of NC just coming out and just doing their thing and putting on for the Tar Heel State. For sure. A lot of great artists coming out of here, for sure. Right. And take it back to the Carolina Crunk days. Um, T. Weezy, that used to come to the studio with Gav Beats. Is that the same T. Weezy that's back, background singer for Anthony Hamilton with the Hamiltons? You know what? It might be. Yeah, because I was looking. At I, yeah, I, was, I don't I think I ever put two and two together. I think so. Yeah, because I, <laughs> yeah, I was looking. I was like, that dude looked familiar. I was like, isn't that T Weezy that used to come to the studio with Gab Beats, um, the new Carolina Crump? So it's crazy to kind of see that direct correlation. Then also with the 85 South show, you know, with Carlos Miller, DC Young Fly, and Chico Bean. I believe Chico and B Dot was starting at the same time doing the comedy club circuit in and around Greensboro before they both got on Wildin' Out. That's and, 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 you know, Chico Bean is also one of the people I had in mind. You know, that's somebody I, I would love to interview because, um, you know, he's from D.C. And, you know, that's that's who he is. That's where he's from. But, you know, how he got his start was North Carolina. You know, he he becomes Chico Bean um, because of, you know, how he was able to navigate the comedy scene in North Carolina. And so, yeah, man, you know, I, I think about stuff like that. You know, he came down to Winston-Salem State, uh, pretty much stayed in the area. And uh, we I met Chico Bean in 2009. And that's when he was just Anthony Bean. Ch Chico Bean came about because uh, B-Dot told him, you need to get on Twitter. And he was like, all right. So he just chose the name Chico Bean just to see, you know, what was because, you know, his family called him Chico or whatever. And, um, you know, but as a, as a comedian, he was going by his real name, Anthony Bean. And um, once he started getting notoriety, people started calling him Chico based off of, <laughs> you know, what they saw on Twitter. So he was like, all right, I'll go by Chico Bean and, you know, ends up making it to Wildin' Out. And that's and that's what it is. And so uh, he's a great story. And, and, th and those are the stories I want to highlight um, his story. You know, uh, I want to eventually talk to uh, Darren Brand. I mean, there's so many people, you know, we can I could probably make a list of 52 people and that's an entire year. You know, it's, there's so many people that we want to end up talking to and people that we're going to talk to um, a young lady by the name of Amber Nichols, who is the second black. I'm sorry. She's the second female uh, GM in the G League. And she's a black woman from uh, from Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, only, I think, 28 years old. And she's the GM of the Capital City Go-Go. 
that's huge because when you think about the future of the front office in the NBA and the WNBA, now you have black women who are in the pipeline uh, to come in and succeed. Um, and so now she's going to, you know, learn what it takes to be a GM on the G league side. And then maybe, you know, in a few years, you're going to hear her, you know, being a GM uh, in the NBA, her cousin is John wall, you know, so I'm pretty sure a lot of people know that name. That'll be also a, a great person to talk to for, for culture state uh, that we're going to try to uh, end up talking to at some point. So her, her episode is coming up soon. Uh, one of my friends, I don't even know if you remember meeting her, but you met her back in uh, college, Jay Mace. Uh, Jennifer King, name who is the, the first, the oh, first yeah. black female, um, you know, full time coach uh, in the NFL. Uh, she works for the Washington football team. She was at Guilford College while we were at UNCG, and uh, one of her good friends was uh, Jada Monica Drew and also uh, Natasha Lake, um, and she was always on campus. And so, um, you know, Jennifer King was coming up. Uh, in, in college basketball on the women's side while we were doing our thing at UNCG on, on radio. And so, you know, I remember her, her grind. I remember her getting into coaching on, on, in women's basketball. I remember her playing in women's football leagues, making it happen and winning national championships and things like that. And then all of a sudden, you know, um, right time, right place, right opportunity. She had been cutting her teeth in, in the football world on the women's side. Then Ron Rivera discovers her. It's like, oh, you're next door to us. Why don't you come in for an internship? And that's how it all starts. And now she's followed Ron Rivera up to Washington to get her first job uh, in the NFL. She's had other pro jobs before. She worked with uh, the AAF uh, in the Arizona Hotshots, um, you know, back when the AAF was a thing a few years ago. But uh, it's, it's great to hear those and to see, have those types of stories and to and put real faces and real struggles behind it. And I think that's what Culture State is all about. Yeah, definitely, Dad, because I believe Jennifer King is from Reedsville. And then also, I didn't yep. know this until recently that Jada Drew and I, we both grew up in the same hometown, Northampton County, 252 area. She went to Northampton East and I went to Northampton West. And it's crazy to see how now in terms of basketball that Eastern North Carolina is really starting to catch on with the NBA. Of course, you know, everything that came out of Kinston since Cedric Cornbread, Maxwell, Jerry Stackhouse, Reggie Bullock, B.I., Montrez Harrell with the Lakers, and then, of course, Little Washington from Dominique Wilkins with the current most improved player, Bam Adebayo. And mm -hmm. it's, it's a great time to just be from NC right now and then with the basketball tradition, knowing Goldsboro with Kobe White, and then, of course, NFL Jimmy Graham. Yeah, I mean, you know, everything that you just said right there, those are all, you know, um, you know, episode ideas that me and Dennis have uh, have come up with. And, and the interesting thing is, too, uh, my co-host, Dennis, he's from Virginia. You know, he's a transplant. And so and, and I thought that was important, too, because that's also a big story of what makes North Carolina great. There's a lot of people who, you know, can't say that they grew up here. Their early childhood memories aren't North Carolina. But as an adult, they get they get here and then they find success, whether they went to school here, whether they just decided to come here and move and, and get a job. And then all of a sudden they find success. And we talked about that earlier with Chico Bean. And that's the that is the uh, story of my co-host uh, Dennis Cox. And so you know, those are also stories that we want to highlight um, is just not only, you know, do you have to I, we don't want to just interview people who were you know born here. 
you can, you know, have come here and lived and all of a sudden found success. And people don't think about those those types of stories. But those stories are also very important. Uh, you think about somebody like, uh, you know, Marion Jones from UNC, uh, Olympic athlete, you know, ends up doing amazing. But she came to UNC and, and you know, and, and that's the thing. She's not originally from North Carolina. So, uh, yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of different stories like that. And, and um, yeah, happy to highlight all of those as much as we possibly can, because we want this thing to really grow. Right. And I was thinking about with Culture State, just the impact that NC has had in music, not in hip hop, but the whole scene in general, because, you know, Clarence Avon, founder of Success and uh, Taboo Records is from Climax, which is outside of Greensboro. Then, of course, everything that came out of the triad area, you know, with Fantasia. And then we go down to the 704, you know, Jodeci and just how they were able to really come on and put NC on the map music wise. Then, of course, the hip hop history of the triad with the Busy Boys and how it was the launching ground for Ski Beats. Yeah, Ski Beats from Greensboro. So, you know, a lot of people, uh, when they think about, you know, famous uh, uh, record producers, you got to think about Ski Beats because Ski Beats uh, really put it on for uh, North Carolina and, you know, helped Jay-Z get, you know, uh, a classic album, you know, Reasonable Doubt. And he was uh, one of the producers on there. So, yeah, definitely Ski Beats is somebody I would want to talk to as well. Sure. Yeah, that'll definitely be dope. And somebody on Facebook the other day had posted um, "The Day" by The Point, featuring uh, Jay Z, and I was like, "Man, I had not heard that joint since your show, man." Because I remember, yeah, because I remember when you uh first played that record, I was like, "Man, that was such a dope record." And then the Brandon D record that I sampled, uh, Billy Joel's "Moving Out." That was a dope record, too. And I thought that record would have broke big had circumstances would have been different as far as NC being looked at on a national scale. And this was, of course, when social media was still in its infancy. You know, I, I got a story about um, the the day. So that song, I think, was on 102 Jams, maybe in 20 in 2003, maybe 2002 ish. And I was uh, a junior I was either a sophomore or a junior in high school. And then my senior year starts in high school and I meet this young lady and uh, we ended up, you know, talk, talking and start dating. And so I, I was asking her about her parents and she said, well, my mom does this and my stepdad, he's a singer. And I was like, oh, okay, what does he do? Like, oh, he's with the band. It's called The Point. I was like, the day, ever since the day you've been gone with Jay-Z? And she was like, yeah, that's my stepdad. Like what? And so it was just a, at that time, it was just a regional song. And, um, and I wanted to know more about North Carolina artists because, you know, even though the internet of course was around, everybody didn't have, you know, a profile that you go, could go to and follow them and see what they're up to or whatever. You know, it wasn't like that at that, at that time, there wasn't a Twitter, there wasn't Facebook at the time uh, to where people could, you know, follow and give updates on their career and, and things like that. And so end up going to meet him. And at that point, the group had already pretty much started to break up, but he was going to do his own thing. And his name is Mr. Rucker. And you know that I had all kinds of, you know, Mr. Rucker, uh, you know, um, tracks on, on um, you know, Carolina Crunk. And uh, you may have even played a couple uh, yeah. on your show. Yeah, I remember the Shacking um, Up record. Yeah. And so it was, you know, it was all kinds of, you know, and, and I think that's that was one of the things that kind of um, helped get that idea out there 
when I was young, like, man, like we just, we need that promotion because, you know, I don't, you know, and PD Pablo will actually say this uh, something similar when he comes up on our show. Um, you know, he was tired of North Carolina being looked at the place that you just passed through and pass over to get to DC or to get to Atlanta or whatever. Um, you know, there's real talent here. There's, there's real talent here that could, that could change the game uh, in so many different ways. And so, um, you know, I, I'm always happy to, to try to be that medium to have people, um, you know, learn something about, you know, the state. And, you know, while you were talking, I was looking up something too. I want you to, do you have, you have your phone on you? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I do. All right. Open up Insta, open up Instagram. Mm-hmm. I'm about to put you on to somebody. Maybe you already know because uh, you know Jay Mace knows everybody. But nah, maybe you already I, know. I, I, ain't, I ain't that connected like you though. But I'm, I may know who you're talking about. I want you to to type in uh, in the search Ash Nico A S H N I K K O. Okay. Um, can you spe- spell it again for me? A S H N I K K O. Okay. All right, let's see what we're talking about here. Like, I'll probably be surprised. Like, it's a mystery bag. Like, you never know who you're going to see, who you're going <laughs> to find out. So, while that's being found out, oh, it's coming up right now. And while that's loading up, you mentioned 99 The Fan earlier, and I believe that was the station where Bomani Jones got his start before going on ESPN and doing his thing with The Right Time and The Evening Jones on 99 The Fan. Um, I'm not sure which radio station it was, but that is another example of somebody who's not from North Carolina, comes to North Carolina, makes their name and, um, you know, is and it starts popping off. So um, he's definitely somebody we would want to talk to. All right. What do you see when you when you look that up? Uh, I'm seeing like pictures of a girl with blue hair eating a sandwich or something like that. Is that the right one? Yep. All right. So Ash Nico is going to be basically. Uh, the reincarnation of Lady Gaga. Okay. She is from Greensboro, North Carolina. Okay. Word. And so that that's one of those types of people where it's like, you know, Warner Brothers is getting hard, going hard behind her. They're starting to really push her. And you're going to you're going to see a lot more of her. And, um, you know, I remember just seeing people talk about like, man, this girl's crazy. This girl's crazy. So I just happened just to look at her. And her profile's like, you uh, this looks nuts. <laughs> and then I just happened to do a quick Google search and she's from Greensboro. And it was like, wow, like this girl could have been listening to 102 Jams growing up, but hearing me <laughs> and doing all this crazy stuff. And now she lives in uh, now she lives in London, but uh you know, but Warner Brothers is really pushing her and she's uh people are looking at her as like a potential next star, a breakout person in 2021. North Carolina is just, it's packed, man. Yeah, yeah. that's definitely dope because I just recently interviewed for the podcast Kevin E. Taylor. He was formerly at BT and is a pastor at Unity Fellowship out in New Jersey. He's from D.C., but actually went to Guilford College. Nice. That's yeah, so that's Guilford diff- College yeah. is, uh, yeah. Yeah, because I didn't really go to Guilford too much except for, shout out to our boy A.V. when he was doing his show on uh, QFS. And um, it was almost like Guilford, UNCG, A&T, they were all, even though they were in Greensboro, 
it felt like their own little worlds and not too many times you would see a lot of schools cross pollinate except for certain times in the year. Cause of course, you know, when Jiho come pops off, everybody from our neck of the woods go up the street to A&T and try to pretend they were like at A&T for a day. Yeah. Shout out to AV, you know, shout out to Nick D all those people that was over at QFS too, man. Like, yeah, it was a, it was a dope little uh, time back in the day for sure. Yeah, de- de- definitely a dope time where everybody was getting in and just getting on their grind. Now, since you've been in the triangle for a little bit, can you tell me the difference in the sports fandom between the triangle and the triad since you're in the hotbed of the Blue, Bud- Blue Bloods with Carolina, Duke, NC State? Um, you know, I haven't had a chance to actually go to games, uh, so I'm sure it's going to be different when I go there. And, and, and able to meet more fans in person. But I do feel like as far as sports fandom, the, the sports fans here in the triangle, I would have thought North Carolina is just North Carolina, but I'm, I'm learning now that different si- sides and sections of North Carolina is very different from each other. Um, and so the people here in the triangle, they are a lot more vocal, my, my man, uh, especially NC State fans. They are some of the most vocal fans that you would ever ever come across and it's uh, it's crazy um but you know it's that passion behind it is, is amazing and so you know you just try to lean into that as much as possible since they are very passionate then they will like small things about it so you know the other day i did a story you know a lot of people won't do something like this but uh other day i did a story on an nc state commit you know it's been a tough week for nc state fans they they lost their number one score to an acl injury uh, out for the season, Devin Daniels. And so it's like, okay, well, instead of harping on that, let's look at the future, NC State fans. You've got this young kid coming in from Reedsville, North Carolina, who started off his um, his uh, uh, senior year in high school with a 44-point game. Not only that, his first five games of the season, he's averaging 35 points. His name is Breon Pass, and he's amazing at what he does. And so I did an interview with him, uh, put out his story, and uh, it was, uh, you know, it was well received because people like to see stuff like that. And so um, I think that's what I like about, you know, this area. There is so much, you know, with uh, NC State, um, Carolina, Duke, um, and then you have, you know, of course, the uh, the hurricanes that, that are there and also the North Carolina Courage, uh, which is uh, the National Women's Soccer League. Um, so it's the you know biggest women's uh, professional soccer league in the United States. And a lot of their players play on the U.S. women's uh, national team, soccer team uh, that, that's here. And it's right here in Cary, North Carolina. And Naomi Osaka, just, um, you know, tennis star, just uh, invested in the um, NC Courage. So she's one of the co-owners of the courage. And so I think it's, it's amazing to have those types of stories and all that. And there's a lot of rabid fans around here. So I would say that um, the, the triad is a little bit more laid back. People are, are passionate about, you know, North Carolina, NC state Duke, of course, uh, but they're a little bit more laid back in a the triangle. They're a lot more rabid, I think. And uh, when it comes down to, um, you know, how they, how their sports fandom goes. Yeah. Cause I think NC state, why they're more vocal is because they always been in the shadow of Duke and Carolina. And of course they haven't won a title since 83 when they beat university of Houston, five slam down here in Albuquerque at the pit. And it's definitely just, 
you know, a big thing when you're in such a college basketball sports heavy area. And then another person that's killing the music game right now on the country tip is my man Luke Combs from Charlotte, went to App State. And he's, I believe, one of the youngest members to actually get inducted into the Grand Ole Opry because it's a big deal once you get that invite from the members to say, hey, come on and join the Opry. But he's killing the country game right now. Yeah, for sure. A lot of greatness around here, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of greatness, do you remember the first time that you saw Steph Curry at Davidson? Because I can remember when it was one <laughs> game where he played us in Fleming Gym. Yeah. He looked like yeah. an itty-bitty boy, no facial hair, no nothing. And I was seeing him shoot those deep threes. I was like, okay, he's going to be in the NBA, maybe as a role player or whatever. But never did I think that he would be the level where he's at now. Were we sitting next to each other during that game? I believe so. Because I was definitely there at that game. I, I believe so because I remember that game because it snowed afterward when we was walking back to our dorm. So that game, it was uh, Steph Curry's freshman year. He was at Fleming Gym. You know, of course, UNCG was hot that year. And I think it may have been our junior year. And that was the year where it was like, all right, this is the time for Kyle Hines. And um, was you know, Ricky Hitman um, on that squad? Ricky Hickman, uh, he was a senior that year. Uh, Dwayne Johnson, not The Rock, <laughs> but Dwayne Johnson, um, and um, and Kevin Alexiak. That was the that was the year for them to really start, you know, coming up. You know, uh, you know, most of them were juniors. Ricky Hickman was a senior, and they were looked at as like this is their time to potentially win the SoCon and uh, and and try to make that NCAA tournament. And man. Uh, you know, I start. We start looking at the uh, the roster, and it's at Curry. And then I remember somebody tapped me and said, "That's Del Curry right there." And I was like, "Oh, wait a minute, that's his son." Oh, okay. And so we're. In, and then I was like, "If that's his mom, his mom is fine." And then yes, and that was his yes, mom. And his yes, mom is fine. Yes, yes. <laughs> Mama Curry, and shout we were, to you. <laughs> we were we were literally the the section over from from Del Curry. Uh, so it was like you had the Davidson bench, the parents behind the Davidson bench, and then the section over to their right was the student section, uh, was where the blue crew was sitting. And that's where, where I was at. And so we were just looking at it. And I don't know if you remember that game, but UNCG was killing Davidson the first half. I mean, you know, he wasn't – Steph Curry did look like a little boy. He looked like he was – uh, like 12 years old, legit on, on the court. And we we're just like, who is this little boy? Oh, it's Curry. Is that your son? Ah, we killing your son right now. Ah, go back to Charlotte. Y'all can't do nothing here. And then I think at, at the halftime, UNCG had like a 15 point lead. And Davidson had always killed in the SoCon. So we we're like, all right, we're about to get this win right here. We're better than Davidson because Davidson would always smack us. Second half half was a completely different game. And Steph Curry turned it on and he was hitting everything and I had never seen anything like it in my life and it was just it was so mind-blowing because it felt like everything he took was going in and you knew it and it was like oh my god he shot it again oh god and then so then the game completely flipped I think UNCG only scored like 18 in the second half and um or something like that maybe 18 or 20 and, you know, Steph ended up with 40 points <laughs> in that game and his first game at UNCG and, um, and and Davidson ended up being his by like 25. And so it was very humbling. It was very, very humbling because you couldn't have told me we weren't going to smack him at halftime. And um, and that was the first time I saw Steph Curry play uh, basketball. And I became a Steph Curry fan from that day. 
<laughs> I was like, I like this dude. Yeah, I'm going to follow him. Yeah, everybody became a witness that day. And I think it was the season when they made their Elite Eight run when they lost to Kansas. That wasn't the season. Uh, it was the season. It was the next season. Um, when they made this was his freshman run? year. Okay. Yeah, this was his freshman year. But the next year, that's when they made that Elite Eight run. Oh, okay, um, yeah. But yeah, that was, but it, it, but once he, once they had that game, um, that's when people were like, yeah, we, we have to go to this game now. And so the next year people made sure they were inside of Fleming for that game um, mm-hmm. because it was like, you know, Steph, you got to go watch Steph. He's, he's definitely must see TV. Yeah. Box office. And as you see, he's definitely the face of the NBA and him and Patrick Mahomes, they got that super Saiyan energy, that ultimate level five where they could just come back from, 28-3 and just do their thing. And I think that uh, Mahomes is going to prevent TB12 from getting another ring next Sunday. That's a whole other conversation for a whole other day. Now, to go back to UNCG, UNCG basketball for a minute, our freshman, sophomore year, I believe Fran McCaffrey was the men's basketball, mm-hmm. basketball coach, current coach at Iowa. And just to see what he's doing now at Iowa and to know that we got to see that up close firsthand our freshman, sophomore year at G. Yeah. And, you know, Fred McCaffrey, shouts to him, shouts to Kyle Hines. Um, they were the first interviews I ever did on radio. And so that was something like when I look back at it, Kyle Hines is, is tabbed as the most successful American player in uh, Euro Basketball League history. You know, he's won, I think, four championships. Uh, he has a bunch of wins in the Euro League, um, made all kinds of money. You know, my man is doing it over there. And he was our year at UNCG, you know, came in the same year that we did, graduated the same year that we did. And um, it was always, you know, I never, I never, you never forget who helped you out. And so like when it's like, all right, when I wanted to get in radio, I remember me and you talking to BCN 101 and you telling me what to do. And then I came and shadowed you at your show. You were showing me how to, you know, do the board. You remember that. And then when I finally started, you know, figuring out what I wanted to do, and, you know, I was like, let me interview some people from the basketball team. And I asked for head coach, I asked for Kyle Hines. They gave it to me. And so they walked over to the radio station together. And, you know, I interviewed uh, Fran McCaffrey, who's doing his thing with uh, Iowa right now, and Kyle Hines, who's currently the, the you know, most decorated player in Euro basketball, American player in Euro ba- basketball league history. So it's, uh, it's amazing to think where we came from in those humble beginnings. And we just fast forward a few years. It's like, wow, like we were, were talking to some superstars and we were superstars in the making. So, yeah. Um, and since you grew up in the triad area, did you have any early memories of seeing CP3 play in high school before he went to Wake Forest? I didn't see him in high school, but I did hear a lot about him. Um, he was the star point guard who was the same year, Chris Paul is a year older than me. So he was a class of 2003. Um, the, the star point guard at my high school, Southwest Guilford was class 2003 as well. His name is Landon Quick. So in the area, it was like, oh, who's the best point guard? Like everybody knew that Chris Paul had, you know, the highest ratings and more people were talking about him. But it was like, yo, people were like, yo, I don't know, Landon could probably get him. So at one point, I think uh, Southwest played, uh, West Forsyth in the um, Frank Spencer ter- holiday t- uh, tournament. And uh, it was the chance for Landon to really show like, okay, I can, I can do it. And, uh, and Chris Paul, uh, I wasn't there, but from people who watched it, uh, people said Chris Paul ate him up. 
and no head showed him. But uh, Landon did his thing, though. He went on to play at high point, so he's definitely a Division One player. Uh, but, you know, Chris Paul was just on another level, as we see, because my man is 35 and still killing in the NBA like he's like he's 22. So uh, right. shout out to Chris Paul. Yeah, because I can remember um, I didn't know who Chris Paul was until ESPN did a piece about, you know, when his grandfather was killed and how he dropped the mm-hmm. with 63 points in memory of his granddad. Because you got to think about it at the time, even though I'm in northeastern North Carolina, we didn't hear about what else was going on on the other side of the state from the Triangle West. So it was almost like, OK. I hear that Greensboro got this top guy. Okay. Well, I hear that Raleigh and Durham have this, this top player here. And it was really the two, the size of the state didn't really meet until you played in maybe like a big holiday tournament where they invited teams from all over the state to show who's best. Interesting story about when uh, Chris Paul dropped that 61. Uh, so the video that you've always seen from, um, from um, ESPN about that, that was shot. That was shot by WXI, which was my former station. And so, um, you know, shout outs to uh, WXI for that. There's uh, one of my coworkers there. His name is Warwick. Uh, I love Warwick's story. Warwick um, started off as a janitor at WXI and everybody loved him or whatever. And he was like, I want to know what it takes to, you know, work to help this whole machine run on TV. And so, they were teaching him how to shoot. They were teaching him how to edit video and all that. And so that night, I think it was West Forsyth versus Parkland. And that's always usually a big game in Winston-Salem. And so um, they showed Warwick how to shoot video uh, a little bit. And they were like, uh, go get this game. There's this kid named Chris Paul. He's number three at West Forsyth. Uh, you know, just, you know, try to get, you know, stuff from him and see what, see what happens. And he was there for the entire game. And then that happened to be the most historic game in West Forsyth history where he dropped the 61 and Warwick was like, there's times where he's about to leave, but he was like, you know, he, uh, Chris just kept scoring and kept scoring. And then he got that last shot and where, you know, Chris purposely missed the free throw, throws out of bounds, walks off and, and starts crying. And uh, his dad is holding him and all that. And he's able to get those shots. And that was my man Warwick that worked at WXI started off as a janitor, wasn't even supposed to be, you know, shooting in that game. And it was the only TV camera that was there that day. And so that's the footage that you always see on uh, on um, ESPN that was shot by uh, my man Warwick at WXI. So I, I always love those like those types of stories. Wow. And you mentioned in the first episode of uh, Culture State, you interviewed uh, Shane Hurricane Helms, correct? Yes, sir. And how wrestled against the rock and how North Carolina, as we mentioned, when I had you on a couple months back, how WREL played a crucial role in professional wrestling with some of the wrestling being taped at WREL studios, Jim Crockett promotions, and then with the McMahon's band from Fayetteville and both him and Linda went to ECU out in Greenville then of course going up to the Northeast and Connecticut to start WWF at the time now WWE and it was back during the time for those of you that don't know the history of wrestling I'm going to give you a brief one-on-one back before WWE was the only game in town wrestling was very territorial where each part of the country had their own territories And it was an unwritten rule between all of the territories that you would not poach. And if you were to go work another territory, they would either set it up. Yes, wrestling is scripted. They would set it up to where you would drop your belt 
or they would write it out to where you would leave, have a leave town match or something like that. But once Vince McMahon came into the game with WWE and saw that I want to take it nationally, then all of the regional territories ended up consolidating and it became WWE. And then, of course, Ted Turner, further down, 85 in Atlanta, came up with uh, WCW after I believe it was Stone Mountain Wrestling or Georgia Wrestling. I think that was the indie promotion that they ended up turning to WCW, which aired on the Superstation. And how Greensboro, the Coliseum especially, played a big part during those early pre-territorial days of professional wrestling. Yeah, so to clean that up a little bit, um, Vince McMahon's father, uh, Vince Sr., uh, already had WWWF, Worldwide Wrestling Federation, uh, based out of New York in that territory that's there. And so, um, you know, in, in the Northeast area. So when Vince was done with college, you know, he was he went up there to help his dad. And so he saw just different ways that he felt like it could he could make it better and bigger. And so he bought the company from his dad and, you know, and that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to just make it a, a big spectacle, you know, and he felt like, you know, we can take this thing past this area. We can we can do bigger and better. So you're so you're definitely right on that. Um, that's when, you know, when they started doing that, then the Mid-Atlantic, you know, Crockett Promotions and then also Georgia Championship Wrestling, they start working together a little bit more. And so they almost kind of came together. And, and so it was Mid-Atlantic and uh, in um, Georgia that kind of became WCW uh, at the time. And, you know, at first though, they were trying to do the whole NWA, which basically when the, the NWA was um, the organization that was basically had one belt or a few belts that would travel between uh, the different territories. So Ric Flair could be in the Mid-Atlantic uh, one night, he could go down to Georgia, go to Florida. Then the next week he could go to, you know, California, whatever. And he was just going to the different territories representing the NWA. So you had a national champion. And so WCW was able to try to get all those other companies to try to, you know, slide into in together. And it was supposed to be NWA versus uh, WWF, uh, but that kind of broke off and then it became WCW. And so that's kind of how things, um, you know, kind of ended up. But yeah, it's um, the history of uh, wrestling in North Carolina is definitely very deep. Um, and one of the interesting things, one of the biggest feuds ever, Ric Flair versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat began uh, right there at WRAL in the same studio that I do my sports cast every night. And it's, it's always amazing. It's something I think about. I walk in there and it's like history, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm about to go in there and do uh, my sports cast, but this is where Ricky drag Ricky, the dragon steamboat uh, versus Ric Flair began. And that's one of the, you know, uh, most popular um, um, views in wrestling history. And so it's always something I feel blessed to be a part of. Yeah, because on YouTube, you can find some old WRL news footage from the late 70s and how they had in one of the commercials a promotion for a match at the Dorton Arena in Raleigh with Flair, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, Chief, Chief Wahoo Daniels, some of the legends of wrestling that would go on to change the game and to kind of go off script a little bit. Did you catch the last ride, The Undertaker on WWE Network? I haven't watched that. No, I've seen like bits and pieces of it, but I haven't watched it. No, it was it was so dope because for me growing up, 
you know, I'm sure you as well, you know, the Undertaker larger than life figure and how he was one of those wrestlers that was old school, didn't break character, stayed true to the business and how he allowed WWE cameras to document the last stretch of his career. Because when I saw him do an interview on Hot Ones, it was weird for me to see him not in character because he was always in character all the time when he was active. Yeah, you know, he's he's one of those guys um, that, you know, definitely carried that old school uh, flag with him for sure. So, um, you know, uh, I've, I've definitely heard a lot of great things about that documentary, but I haven't seen it myself. Yeah, definitely dope. So what was it like for you when you went down to train for wrestling and then doing the bumps and learning how to properly go off the top rope and all, all of that good stuff when you were cutting your teeth um, doing the indie wrestling circuit? You know, it's crazy. There's a um, a pay-per-view that was in Raleigh. Um, you know, you, I'd have to start on Sundays. And I, I, I did training one Sunday. There's a pay-per-view in Raleigh the next Sunday. So literally, I was doing my second day of training. Um, and I, me and who's now my wife, but it was my girlfriend at the time, Carissa. Um, we knew that we so she decided to come with me. We were going to check into a hotel in Raleigh. And then go to the pay per view, stay in, stay the night in Raleigh, and then come in, uh, go back to uh, High Point the next day. And um, I was so sore trying to watch that pay per view in person. And you know, my my neck was just like all weird and all that. She was trying to massage me, and I was like, "Oh man, this is so weird. Like my body is just all over the place." But um, yeah, man, it was fun, man. Like, uh, you know, wrestling is um, something that I think was really fun. I'm, I'm glad I, I pulled the trigger and I ended up doing it. Um, you know, it's, I can't describe, you know, the the joy I ended up having, you know, doing it because, you know, wrestling is um, if you love wrestling and you end up uh, being a part of wrestling, um, then, you know, actually getting a chance to do it and sharing the locker room with people like Shane Helms, who I did an interview on episode one and two, part two is coming up this week, or, you know, just other, you know, superstars. It's just amazing to, um, to look back and, and see like, man, like I'm really like next to these people that I end up watching and, you know, um, Jimmy Valiant, the boogie woogie man, you know, I ended up um, tag teaming with him one Thanksgiving um, night in, in Asheboro, we were the headliners. And it's like, what, like, I remember being a, a little, little, little boy, like two years old, three years old, my mom talking about, you know, Jimmy Valiant and I get a chance to tag team with this dude <laughs> on a Thanksgiving night. And so it was just, you know, so many different great stories or whatever wrestling is one of the, you know, funnest times of my life. Yeah. You know, the Hardy boys from North Carolina, I believe the late junkyard mm -hmm. dogs from, uh, Fayetteville, so definitely wrestling, very huge in the state. And are you guys for Culture State planning on having any people from NASCAR coming on? Because as we know, NASCAR is very deep within North Carolina with a lot of the teams headquartered in and around the Charlotte area. And of course, you know, the Earnhardt's yeah. and the Petties. Yeah, NASCAR is North Carolina pretty much. But yeah, that's something that we've talked about. They're about to you know, crank open their season. So we'll try to uh, fit everything in. But, you know, we're thinking about the Dillon brothers there uh, from Welcome, North Carolina and, and Davidson County. Um, you know, uh, Ty Dillon and um, and. Um, oh, you might have added this part. <laughs> I just leave in Austin. Name, name Todd, that. Todd. Todd yeah, Ty Dillon uh, is doing his thing. Austin Dillon drives the number three that uh, that uh, Dale Earnhardt Sr. Uh, used to drive. Uh, they're uh, 
grandfather, um, Mr. Childress, like, you know, he's, he was, you know, big in, you know, um, in NASCAR. Of course, you got the King Richard Petty from Asheboro. Actually, he's from Randleman, uh, but his home base, you know, is right. You know, Randleman is outside of Asheboro. So it's right there in that Randleman Asheboro area. Uh, we've talked about, you know, trying to schedule him, uh, you know, because that would be awesome to talk to the King. I mean, there's so many people that's from North Carolina and, you know, even if they're not from North Carolina, they live there now. And so, um, yeah, NASCAR is definitely something that's on our radar for sure. Yeah. And I don't know if ESPN can hear this, but I'm letting ESPN know. ESPN, please do a 30 for 30 or something on the Charlotte Hornets. Because the Hornets, when they came onto the scene, they led the league in sellouts for years. And, of course, their big three was Zoe, Larry Johnson, Muggsy Bowles, Dale Curry, Kendall Gill, Matt Geiger. Then, of course, for those basketball heads that know, the Hornets originally drafted the late, great Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. Um, the Hornets are – our big part like just follow the culture state podcast go ahead and give it five stars go ahead and and subscribe wherever you get your podcast because you know a lot of things that you're bringing up are things that dennis and i have already talked about or emails that we've already sent so there's you know i don't want to give away too much uh but we we definitely have some big plans and you know there's so many great stories that can come with this and so we're, we're definitely happy to to put this out yeah, we're definitely looking forward to it. And I want to get you out of here on this. Uh, name me your all-time Duke starting five. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot. All-time Duke starting all five. Duke starting you did five. put me on the spot. And, and this is positionless, so they don't have to be the traditional one through five. And then I'll give you my all-time character. That, okay, that makes, it, that makes it a little bit easier because I was going to try to figure out, like, which um, I definitely have to put Zion there. I have to put uh, Grant Hill there. I have to put J.J. Redick there. And um, this may not make sense as far as NBA is concerned, um, but if you look at what he was in college, Shane Battier, he has to be there. Like Shane Battier was like Mr. Everything at Duke. Man, who's the fifth person I'm going to pick? Uh, there's so many different names to pick. Did, did you say um, J.J. J. Will? Jay Will, Bobby Hurley, Cherokee Parks, um, Trajan Landon. You know, um, and, and that's the tough part because I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of all those names and it's like I'm going to leave out somebody from the top five and it's going to sound crazy. But um, I'm, it's either going to be um, mm, – it's either going to be Jay Will or Christian Leitner. And, and, and that's crazy to say, right? Like, if you think about it, just like how great they were at Duke, it's like one of those are going to be left off the top five. Um, I'll just go ahead and say, uh, even though you said positionless, I don't have a point guard there. So I'm just going to put Jay Will there. So I guess Christian Layton is coming off the bench, which is crazy. Yeah. That sounds so crazy. Yeah. And, and Jay Will's doing this thing with uh, KJ and Z on uh, ESPN with uh, Ahmad Zubin and uh, Keyshawn Johnson. Now, my my all-time starting five, Tar Heels positionless, I go MJ, Vince, Rasheed, Jerry, and Ed Coda. You know what? You got to get um, an iPhone uh, because <laughs> on Clubhouse um, – there, there is a uh, there's a, a video or not a video a room that my man B dot started, 
and it's called uh, it's called the Hills House on Clubhouse. And so before halftime and post game of every uh, UNC Tar Heel game, my man B Dot will host this house. It's a discussion, and um, he always has former uh, Tar Heels in the house. So Kenny Williams, Brandon Robinson, Jawai Williams, Shamond Williams. Um, you know, there's names I'm forgetting. Uh, Rayshon Terry. Um, there's wow. all kinds of names that uh, end up coming in there and they end up coming in there and they, they talk about like, Hey, this is what, this is what's happening with the team. This is what coach is saying to him at halftime. This is what's going on. This is why this person doesn't look as good because in our system, we're supposed to do this and they're not understanding this and they're, they're, you know, um, their skill set is tailored towards, you know, this or whatever. And it's, it's very insightful, man. It's very, very insightful. Uh, and just even, you know, just where I'm at, like, I love listening to them talk you know, basketball and all that. So it's all, uh, all those shots. You got to get on it. I think all, those, all those shots that us Joy users, you don't know, Clubhouse invite only, only for iPhone users. Curse you, Apple, and your exclusivity. And um, your thoughts on um, The Last Dance and MJ, because I was surprised that he even agreed to do it because he rarely does interviews and how open and candid he was. Yeah, but, you know, knowing Jordan, though, like, you know, I don't know Jordan, but knowing what I know about Jordan, um, you know, he's he is going to do an interview. He doesn't he's not above interviews. He's just going to do it the right time. And and uh, <laughs> for Jordan basically to shut down the world, because at, at the perfect time when, you know, the the pandemic started, just so people could talk about him is very Jordan-esque, if you think about it. Um, but no, I, I love the last ride. Um, you know, it, it was, it was amazing to see and it and gave you that, that insight into who he, uh, who he was, uh, you know, off, off the basketball court and his motivations for, uh, retiring both times and really, really all three times. Um, and you know, you, I think you understood him a little bit more and uh, I love it. And, it. and it also gave you a glimpse into what made him, special as a, as a person and as a player. And so, uh, you know, I absolutely love it. That is, I think if I were able to get an interview with Jordan for that podcast, my God, you, my you, God, you, you'll, break, you'll, break the, you'll break the internet with that one, bro. If you can get his area, it will shut it down. Like that's, I think that's what me and Dennis, like me and Dennis, like, no, like, all right, this isn't going to happen, but it could happen. And so we're going to go for it. So we never say never. Uh, so that is, uh, that's ultimately, that's what I want to do. I want, I want to get Jordan on the podcast and that's going to be like a four-parter. Yeah. Nothing beats a failure, but a trying it all started at Laney down in Wilmington. And then real quickly, like I said, Stranger Things, biggest thing on Netflix and then the Duffer Brothers from North Carolina. I believe they went to Jordan high school and, Stranger Things, one of the biggest things on Netflix. So we're definitely looking forward to that when uh, the new season drops. So do you have any shout outs you want to give before we wrap plug social and also where they can find culture state? Yeah. Um, culture state at culture state pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can uh, follow me at Chris Lee TV, Twitter and Instagram. My last name is LEA. Of course um, you can follow my man, Dennis Cox, who's my co-host uh, at the fan rookie uh on instagram and twitter uh so everything is good there uh shout outs to you jay mace uh for for the platform and continue to do your thing and um you know shout outs to the state of north carolina we're just gonna make this thing big
Yeah, we're putting on for the Tar Heel State. And you can catch this interview wherever you stream your podcast and also on my YouTube channel, Beyond the Album Cover, the same name. Be sure to subscribe to the Facebook group, facebook.com slash beyond the album cover to get updated with all things show related. And thank you to everyone for making Beyond the Album Cover a success. And ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. My good friend, brother from another mother, Chris Lee, a.k.a. the artist formerly known as Show Smooth. Thank you for coming on to Beyond the Album Cover, bro. Yes, sir. We need that five stars and and every pot like get Spotify five stars, get Apple five stars, everything. We need five stars. Take that, take that.